Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here this morning as we begin a brand new series together called Love God, Love People, Repeat. In fact, if you boil the Old Testament, New Testament down to one phrase, it would be love God and love people. Easy, but hard. Sounds simple, but yet we find ourselves sort of stumbling over it at times. So I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go ahead and take your Bibles, turn to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 12. If you're new to the Bible, you just go over halfway, you're gonna get to the New Testament. As soon as you get to the New Testament, you're gonna run into Mark. That's where we're gonna camp out, Mark 12. We'll start reading down in verse 28. You know, North Star started back in 1997 uh, with a passion to be a church for people who didn't go to church. And back in 1997, when we were beginning, I was 28 years old. We were, we are about to celebrate in January our 25th anniversary. There's a lot of things we've done right. There's a lot of things we've done wrong. But one thing we've tried to do is to love God and love people. And it's not our concept. In fact, it's his concept. I believe that if you could ask the Lord today, boil down for me all this that's taught here. I mean, we do 52 weeks a year. If I could boil all this down, how do I boil it down? You would boil it down to what we're gonna talk about today. But yet we find ourselves where they found themselves then. So let's, let's paint the picture. Jesus is teaching. There were teachers of the law then you had a group called the Sadducees. Then you had a group called the Pharisees. Then there was a group in there called teachers or scribes. They are both, they all play into this whole conversation. Really, the Sadducees played in before this conversation happened. The Pharisees and the scribes, and scribes could be Pharisees, they play in now. They heard him teaching. They heard what he was saying. And I think this guy brings a legitimate question. I, don't, I think maybe there's a slant to it, but I think it was a genuine question. It's what most scholars think. And he begins to ask Jesus something he wanted an answer to, he wanted clarification on, that I think we need clarification on today. When Moses, back in the Old Testament, so here's our softball, I'll give you a, a chance to get the church answer right. Moses brought down from the mountain how many commandments? 10, all right, very good, y'all did very good, all right? Well, it's more than what Moses brought down, what they were dealing with, and that's what we're gonna talk about. Would you stand with me today in honor of reading God's word together? Verse 12, one of the teachers of the religious law, one of the scribes, was standing there listening to the debate. He realized Jesus had answered well, and he asked him this question, of all the commandments, which one is the most important? Which is most important? All right, time out. And he wasn't talking about the 10 that you answered. They had done such a great job creating laws, there were 613 laws they had to live by. 248 of them were positive. 365 of them were things you just shouldn't do. And I think he's asking a legitimate question. Okay, Jesus, you've done really good. Clarify this for me. There's 613 laws. How in the world do we keep them? They are burdensome. They are heavy. 
and I never feel like I measure up, basically what he's saying. And I hope you give us the wrong answer because we give you something, gives us something to pin you with. And Jesus answers in a way I think caught him off guard. I think it caught the crowd off guard because of what he said. Listen to what he said. And Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, or hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is the one and only Lord. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and your strength. And the second, Jesus adds, is equally as important, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Would you pray with me? Right where you're standing this morning, whether it's in Compass, True North, Patio, wherever you're sitting watching online, whether it's on a bucket at a ball field or, or on your couch in your den, wherever you're watching from, I want you to ask God that he would show you something today you can't miss. Would you just ask that? God, you have our hearts. Speak to us, teach us, and show us what it is you want us to know. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you're seated, turn around and wave to a few people around you. Welcome to North Star. You don't have to touch their hand. Just say hello to them. So, interesting phrase used, hear or listen. First little blank there in your outline. To hear means to obey. To hear means to obey, and to hear God without doing what he commanded is not to hear him at all. To hear means to obey, and to hear God without doing what he commanded is not to hear him at all. So Jesus, when he, he begins this discussion, he said, this is the most important commandment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Well, every Jew knew what he was saying. It's called the Shema. It was recited by every religious Jew twice a day. Deuteronomy 6, verses four through nine. They did it every day. In fact, they would write it on the lintel. They'd write it on the doorpost, the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. When Jesus responds with this, every teacher of the law knew exactly what he was saying. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. So it said in the book of Deuteronomy. They knew it. They knew this teaching, but yet somewhere along the way, the children of Israel had quit listening. Just because you hear something doesn't mean you heard something, right? Could, can we all agree with that? So I've done weddings the past four weekends. I didn't have one this weekend, but I think about those old couples and they're in love and and it's awesome, but there's gonna be a dinner table conversation here in the not too distant future where the wife is gonna say to this new little husband, do you remember what I told you? And he is gonna have this look of, oh dear God, it's a pop quiz and I'm failing. You know what I'm talking about? He heard it, but he didn't hear it, right? Hearing with these ears and hearing with these ears are two very different things. Ann and I were out working in the yard yesterday and I said, I had a date. I'm just trying to work on a, a, a lunch appointment. I said, I got a date on my calendar. It says, I've got this appointment down. It's got your name in it. What's that about? 
And she puts down what she was working with and she stands up and said, we talked about it the other night at dinner. I'm like, oh dear Lord, all right, oh dear Lord, I'm a sermon illustration and it's happening right now. I, I didn't hear her. I guess I was thinking about the Braves bullpen. I don't know what I was thinking about, but I wasn't thinking about what she was saying. A few years ago, I was coaching a high school, or a 13-year-old travel baseball team, and, and they needed a little come-to-Jesus moment at the end of practice, and so I got them kneeled down, and of course, when you want them to really get it, you raise your voice, right? You raise your voice a little bit, and I got done, and I said, do you understand me? One boy goes, yes, sir. I said, Cody, what did I say? He goes, I have no idea, all right? And so that's how, that's how we are sometimes, right? We hear it, but we don't hear it. See, the children of Israel is really interesting. They had seen God move, they'd watched God move, and yet for 40 years, they didn't listen to his voice. 40 years, they missed him working. I want you to write those little points in. It's difficult to love God and love people when we have a heart that's hardened by selfishness, Pride, sin, and rebellion. We here love God, love people. If I were to have caught you getting out of your car today, and I had a microphone, we had the camera, and I would say, all right, real quick question. Do you love God and love people? Everybody would say the answer what? But if I caught you at the right time on Tuesday, when somebody was really on your nerves, and you hadn't had time to meet with Jesus, and I would say, have you loved God and loved people today? And the answer would probably be, yes, <laughs> that's, what, that's right. I'll go with that, I'll go with that. The answer would probably be, oh, I hadn't thought about it. We have great intentions, but sometimes our actions don't follow up with our intentions. That was the children of Israel. See, when he, he used this phrase, hero Israel, Lord your God, he's quoting the Shema. And yet all these people that heard it knew that their ancestors hadn't walked with the Lord. They knew that their ancestors had denied the miracles that they had seen. That's why the writer of Hebrews wrote this letter. Hebrews chapter three, I want you to look up at the screen with me. Just look up here with me. That is why the Holy Spirit says, Today, when you, what's the next phrase there? What's the next word? His voice. What does he say next? Don't, what's the next word? Your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. So the writer of Hebrews is speaking to the same instance and he's saying, hey, you wanna know how not to end up like them? Today, when you hear it, do something with it. Because love really does mean to obey. Not to put off, not to weigh it out. What had happened to the children of Israel is their hearts had been hardened by sin and selfishness because they didn't obey the voice they knew and the voice they heard. So what are the barriers to us having a loving heart? Number one, ready? Barrier one is we delay. We delay. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next Sunday. I'll do it when it's convenient. I'll do it when the timing's right. 
I'll do it when it matches up to my calendar. I'll do it when I'm in a better place. I'll do it when our finances are in order. I'll do it when our kids are older. I'll do it when I'm out of college. I'll do it when I'm out of high school. I'll do it after spring break. I'll do it before fall semester. Those are, and it's always delayed obedience, right? I want you to write this little phrase down. It's a phrase I heard, I was probably 12 when I heard it. But it's as true today as it was when I was 12. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Not doing it is not doing it. And every day I delay, the soil of my heart gets harder and harder, doesn't it? So we're about to get rain for a few days. Well, there's gonna be a point come July, it ain't gonna rain for a little bit. And is the soil of the ground gonna be soft or hard? Hard. The only way you're gonna be able to take care of it is to water it all the time. Why? You gotta keep it soft. The word of the Lord is the watering of our heart. Today, when you hear his voice, don't delay. And I can't fill in the next blank for you. That next blank may be meeting with God in the morning. That next blank may be shining Jesus to your family. That next blank may may be sharing Jesus with somebody you work with. I, I don't know what that blank is for you, but I always know that what comes after his voice always involves our obedience. How do we break the barrier? Catch up on my obedience. And this is what I found out. I wrote this down after, during the 810 service. In fact, I wrote this down while I was speaking, all right? Here, here was the phrase, the longer I wait, the more options I create. You ever do that? Always find a way out. The longer I wait, the more options I'll tend to create. Well, I'll do this then. I'll do it next spring. I'll do it when... So in our world, I'll just say this, in our world, we got a wedding on the horizon. It ain't somebody else's wedding. It's one I gotta pay for, all right? And so that wedding, that wedding dominates a lot of conversations. I, I do enjoy showing up at all of yours because I get to leave, all right? And so there I'm paying for it and staying for it. And it can, well, we'll do that after the wedding. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's just how we, it's the next big thing. The longer I wait, the more options I create. Delaying never helps anything, does it? We always put off till tomorrow what should have been done today. Can I go ahead and let y'all in on a little secret? There's never a good time. Did y'all know that? There's never a perfect time. There's always something saying there. I know the children of Israel would give you whatever excuse it was, but they hardened their hearts because they never caught up on their obedience. Number two, here was the barrier. Barrier was denial. It's interesting. The children of Israel saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. But they denied the power of the miracle because they didn't listen to the daily things. They had been taken out of captivity walked across a sea that stood up on both sides. They got across, the army was drowned, miracle. I'll never forget that. Oh, they did, quickly. They watched God feed them out of nothing. 
Do you know what happens when our heart starts to get hard? I want you to write this little thought down. We begin to deny the power we know that's true. If you've never gone through a hardening season, you will. I have. Do you know the gauge of hardening for me? This is Mike Lynch. This is the Mike Lynch dashboard. So the check engine light right on your car. If the check engine light comes on, you should take your car where? To the shop. At least you might go, well, I'll fix it. Well, you don't live with me. All right, and so I take mine to the shop. I don't know what to do with it. So I take it to the shop because there's a problem. Here's a check engine light for Mike. When I, get, when I find myself getting critical of other people, my engine light's on. Does that make sense? Like I look at your life and I judge your actions, not your intentions. But you know what I want from you? I want you to judge my intentions, not my actions. Does that make sense? You deny the power you know is true. Look with me. Don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. There your ancestor tested and tried my patience even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. Don't be like them. Pharisees, Sadducees, they took 10, they created 613 laws and they were heavy and they were burdensome and all of them were created with good intentions. I don't think any of the laws were created to be bad. I think they created them with good intentions but they had to do something. They had to break the barrier by facing up to their past. They had to look their past and go, I don't want that in my life. I want you to write down a couple points. The writer of Hebrews warned these new believers to learn from their past. We can't change our past, but we can get real about it. I've never met somebody that changed their life that didn't have to deal with their past. And inside the door of everybody's life, there's a past. I know the person sitting to your right and left looks like they have it all together. Trust me, they don't, all right? And so, they don't. And every family's got a crazy uncle, right? I mean, that's just the way that it works. Everybody, everybody's got a past and everybody's got a crazy uncle. It's just the way that it works, can't change our past, but we can own up to it. You will never move forward spiritually till you deal with your past and know that God can use you in spite of it. Second part there is we can't change our past, but we can be forgiven for it. Some of us want to do things for the Lord, and the hardening and delay happened because we think there's something in our past we can't move past. It's the sin. It's the mistake. It's the shortcoming. And we go, I'll never move past that. I'll never be bigger than that. And the enemy gets us in this corner and says, I'm gonna keep you there and we can't change our past, but we can learn from it. 
It's interesting, um, you know, when North Star started 24 years ago, we were burning hot to be a church for people who didn't go to church. Burning hot. You know, it's easy 24 years later to become Pharisees and Sadducees and look at the world and say, the world's just full of problems and lost people, but we got it good in here. We don't learn from our past. Those people that don't know the Lord were us 24 years ago. And sometimes we have hardened hearts. Get this, get this. We sit in church every Sunday. We sing and we worship. And it's like a stone cold heart. Well, Mike, what's that look like? Check out the story. So I was raised in a Christian home. Um, I have parents that not only love me, but love each other very much. And I grew up in a home where prayer was important. Uh, Reading the word of God was important. Attending church on Sundays was important. And got saved when I was six years old. So I I continued. to be raised in church, we were very involved in church. My parents were uh, in charge of the children's ministry. Uh, I grew up singing in church. I I sang in the choir. I did Christmas plays. Um, And while I was in school, I was picked on a lot. And so when I got out of high school, I had a lot of feelings of worthlessness and I dealt with a lot of sadness. I think when I got out of high school, I was just trying to find joy anywhere that I could. And uh, I did everything that people do at parties. And um, during that time, and I don't even know that I would have admitted this six months ago, but I remember consciously thinking things like, well, I'm going to heaven, so. And basically like I can just do whatever I want because I already have the ticket. (laughs) <laughs> and that's that's so backwards and so ungrateful. And it, it just, I was totally neglectful of the sacrifice that had been made for me. And I was willfully ignorant of it because I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And I was very much living a double life. I was the Savannah that people saw at parties on Fridays and Saturdays, saying and doing whatever I wanted. And then I was the Savannah that people literally saw singing in the choir on Sundays. And uh, it, was, it was two completely different people. My sin had very much distorted my view of who God was. Um, I felt like he was this cold disciplinarian that was keeping a tally of everything I'd ever done wrong and shaking his head at me in disappointment. And that's not true, that's not who he is. Um, But I couldn't help but view him through my shame and guilt over what I had done. And that's what I saw when I looked at it through that lens. And I remember one instance in particular, just like falling on my knees because I felt so far away from him. And I wasn't, he was right there with me. He was right there with me even in my sin. But because of my sin, 
because I had chosen everything but him for so long, uh, it, it made it so much harder to come back to him uh, because I felt so guilty. I felt like, how, how dare I? Like, I ignored you so willfully for so long. But that's not who he is. That's not the way that he thinks of us. Um, and when I began to pray daily and be in the word daily, um, he began to show me things, show me bits of who he was. So the church that I grew up in, I went to for a really long time. Uh, and then back in March of 2020, uh, God made it super clear to me through some scripture that he wanted me at North Star. I had been serving there for a little while, um, just singing in the high school and middle school. I started making friends and I really loved the, the church atmosphere and I felt very at peace when I was there getting to serve with with people that are of the same mindset and, and were all unified uh, in wanting to glorify the kingdom of God, that is incredible. Um, and because I am making my decisions based off of God's will for my life, I know that's why I've gotten to see that. And I know that's why I have these friendships and I know that's why I'm growing in my relationship with the Lord because I've allowed him to do what he wants to do in my life. And because of that, my life is so abundant and there's so much joy and so much happiness. And I'm not saying that every day is amazing. <laughs> we all have bad days. Living in, in the will of God does not guarantee that every day is going to be great. Um, but I always have somewhere to rest when I need it. I always have joy when I need it. I always have happiness when I need it. I always have guidance when I need it. God is merciful. He is gracious. Uh, he doesn't hide from truth. Like, I had to repent of my sin. That, that wasn't in question. But... There is love waiting for me on the other side of that. It's, it's not punishment. It's, it's mercy. Savannah is sitting in this room today. Would you let her know what a great job she did telling her story? So proud of you. If you hadn't been there, you will. If you hadn't been there, that's great. But getting there is disobeying the next thing that God told you to do. It never starts with big stuff. It always starts with the small stuff. And I love the progression she went through in that story. She didn't know our outline. She was just telling you her story. She knew the Lord she began to delay in some obedience issues in her life and she began to deny the power that she knew to be true and she found herself in barrier number three. She found herself discouraged. Why is God ever gonna forgive me? And I've got guilt, sin, and shame in my life. Why is God gonna ever forgive me? Why is God ever gonna use me? Why is God ever gonna want me? And you know that's where the children of Israel found themselves. They found themselves caught up in this guilt and shame 
Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the Lord. You must warn each other every day while it's still called today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Here's how we break that barrier of discouragement. We link up with our spiritual family. I want you to write this point down, ready? It's huge. We need each other. Don't do life alone. Do not do life alone. We need each other. I need people that are gonna go, let's go. Come on, get up. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Quit wallowing in your pity. Get up. Come on, let's go. But if I find myself alone, I can live and wallow in discouragement. I can live and wallow in this self-pity. And what ended up happening to the children of Israel is they weren't warning each other. They just sort of all lived there. People were put in your life and you were put in others' lives to encourage each other. To encourage each other. Let's talk real quick. I believe we live in an apex in history. In fact, the writer goes on to say, the writer of Hebrews goes on to say, and let us not neglect meeting together, some do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We live at an apex in history. Our world needs Jesus now as much as our world's ever needed Jesus. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, it, it's tough. But yet the chance for your light to shine has never been better. The enemy would love to thwart your influence by discouragement, denial, and delay. And I say this with kindness. There's somebody walking this planet that needs the Jesus you know and the only way they're gonna find him is through your life. Today, when you hear his voice, harden your heart because somebody's counting on you. God has strategically intersected somebody else's life to your life. I don't wanna be walking in sin when my life connects with their life. And here's the deal. It's probably when I least expect it. I did really good getting prepared for the big meetings. Sometimes it's those cross meetings during the middle of a day that might be the one God had ordained the most. Hear, O Israel. Obey, O Israel. The Lord your God is one God. and He wants you to love him with all you got. But to do that, you gotta hear. Would you pray with me? Father, I remember a worship song out a couple years ago where the opening line was, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, and open the ears too, is what we would say today. I don't know what that next is for each of us, because I think it is a little different. 
But I know this, when you tap, we don't delay. When you call, we don't measure out and figure out and get back with you later. God, our yes is on the table. Whether it's coming to know you, walking with you, speaking of you, living for you. God, we're all encouraged by Savannah's story. Because she's us. God, I believe you're setting us, setting us up for a mighty move of you we've never seen before. But that will not happen because of a great service. That will happen because of day-by-day obedience. Wherever you're at, I want you to just sit and talk to the Lord, would you? He's spoken because we've read his word. Listen to what he has for you, would you?